What's doing, everybody? Today is Thursday, February 29th. Blaze journalist Steve Baker has been ordered to turn himself in to the FBI. He joins me today on the podcast. Also joining me today is Robbie Starbuck, who's got a new movie out titled The War on Children. Disgraced Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell will be stepping down. And a left-wing Illinois judge has ordered Trump off the ballot just three weeks before the primary. I'm Alec Lace. This is The Alec Lace Show. The American family is under attack. Parents are the underdog of this nation. Your children are being indoctrinated. That's right. Your children. They do not belong to the state. They do not belong to the school system. They belong to you, the parents, as a blessing from God our Father. So let's preserve, protect, and fight for the American family together. You're listening to The Alec Lay Show. The future is family. Welcome, everybody, to the Alec Lay Show. I'm happy and honored, as always, to be here with you guys. Thank you for tuning in. If you're watching the broadcast live here on Rumble, please get down there and share the broadcast. Let's get as many people in here as possible. Got a big show for you guys. Don't forget to go down there, hit the like button, and follow the channel here on Rumble. Steve Baker is a journalist for The Blaze. He has been ordered to turn himself into the FBI because of his coverage of January 6th. Uh, he's been ordered to turn himself in tomorrow. I'm going to have him on the podcast here in a little bit. Uh, we're going to talk to him about that. This is a disgrace what's going on. We're going to get to that. Uh, also today, Robbie Starbuck joining me on the podcast to talk about his very important film, The War on Children. And first, I want to just update on this, because this story is really boiling my blood, as I know it is many of you listeners out there. What happened to this Lakeland Riley, uh, Georgia nursing student, 22 years old, murdered by one of Biden's illegal immigrants. This mayor of Athens down in Georgia has got the absolute nerve of this guy. uh, Kelly Gertz is the mayor. And I'm going to play this clip for you. And it really, you know. He's defending the sanctuary city and pushing the blame onto Trump for the reason why this Lakeland Riley had her skull so bashed in it was unrecognizable uh, by this illegal animal that was in the country here. But it's more about protecting uh, the illegal immigrants. And, oh, no, illegal immigrants are good. Watch this. And they, and they called him out during the press conference. And good for the people that heckled this guy uh, as he was talking. So this is the Athens mayor, Kelly Gertz, talking about the Lakeland Riley murder. Here you go. While 2019 was not that long ago, you might remember the dynamic we were living in in the late teens in this country, where you had the President of the United States speaking in the most vile terms about people who were foreign born. And you had that notion metastasizing in places like Charlottesville. You can look in contractual language and you can find out exactly what it means to be an SEC institution. Sanctuary City doesn't track with either of those. And so that term means different things to different people depending on the context of the discussion. Many of the elements, many of the elements, we are here to listen. You're a liar. We are here to listen. There will be time for questions. You're all guilty and got blood on your head for this murder, sir. And I would say this, the interpretation, the message from this mayor, as well as it is for many other Democrats, including Joe Biden, this is the message they're telling you. Your children will be murdered by illegal immigrants. And if you have a problem with that, you are a racist. That is the message coming from the Democrat Party right now. And, and where are the protesters? Where are the patriots? Why is there not a march on, on this guy's front lawn? Where is everybody? Now, Donald Trump, who he seems to think is to blame for this. Now, mind you, Donald Trump told you that they're not sending their best. They're sending murderers, rapists, drug dealers. And that's exactly what this guy is. And he's not alone. There's many of them that are coming. We have so many angel moms now. An angel mom is someone who loses their child to the hands of one of these illegal immigrants. President Trump, who this guy has the balls to actually say, Uh, is the problem here. He put out a statement, which is a heck of a lot better than what this fool did. I'll put it on the board. This was on Truth Social. Donald Trump says, Lake and Riley was a spectacular young woman whose life was taken from us and her great family by a savage monster who should not have been in our country. We must rid ourselves of this ridiculous open border right now. My heart, the heart of Melania, goes out to to Lakeland's family and friends. God bless you all. 
And so I just wanted to update that story there just because it's ongoing. And I hope the parents sue the mayor of this. Just I don't know what the parents are doing, uh, but they I, I am so aggravated. I can't even begin to understand how they must be feeling to listen to this lunatic up there talking about how, oh, no, we we're going to be defending the sanctuary city, defending the illegal immigrants. These are criminals in our country. It's just, it's, I don't even know how else to describe it other than it's just the world is upside down right now. This is a person that should not be in, in this country. They are invading this country. And if you have a problem with that, you are a racist. This isn't, oh, we have to figure out how to live amongst with the illegal immigrants. No, come into the country legally. That's it. And there's got to be a hard stand on this. We cannot continue to lose more and more young girls, more young men, anybody, no matter the age, people getting murdered. How many people are dying from the drugs that are coming in? We know this whole issue. This is the issue of the 2024 election. And there should be marches and protests that would all over this country because of what happened. So I'm not going to keep harping on that. I know I, I, I'm just so pissed off about this story. Uh, so we had we now on another note here we had good news and bad news yesterday. The good news was the disgraceful Senate Party leader Mitch McConnell announced that he is stepping down, which is great news. Bad news we got to wait until November. So how much more damage can this guy do uh, until November? But finally we're going to get Mitch McConnell out of there. Long overdue. This should have happened a very long time ago. Uh, and and is this really? He he may not even make it to November. All right. This guy holds a press conference. He freezes up, locks up. Who knows what this guy's medical condition is? He should not have been in the Senate for many years already. But the good news is that finally uh, Mitch McConnell will be out of there. The rhino uh, that, that, that has done nothing for the Republican Party. He's only helped the Democrats and he'll finally be gone. Uh, one other story I want to touch on here uh, before we get to Steve Baker, who I'm waiting for here. Uh, this Illinois judge... Uh, I'll put her picture on the board. Tracy Porter, a left-wing lunatic, uh, orders Trump off the ballot in Illinois just three weeks before the election, citing the an insurrection ban, right? 14th Amendment. She, oh, because of this, another one of these. We've seen it before. This is unconstitutional. And number one, Donald Trump was never charged with an insurrection, never charged with a sedition. He doesn't have any of those charges. How are you going to remove him from the ballot? This is all about election interference and trying to stop President Trump from getting on the ballot. That's all it's about. This is the, now, you know who loves to see that, who's, who's laughing and applauding right along with the Democrats when they see that, is Nikki Haley. That's the reason why Nikki Haley's hanging around, is for things like this. January 6th was not an insurrection, but the media keeps telling you that it was. And the media has a powerful way of warping people's minds. If you don't th- if you don't believe so, look at what the Air Force guy did. He burned himself to death because he's been brainwashed by the media. That's why he did it. For no other reason. There's no other reason why that guy lit himself on fire and died. He didn't do it for Palestine. He did it because he was convinced and he was brainwashed by the media. That's it. Look no further than that. And that's exactly why they think that Trump is a, uh, they have this Trump derangement syndrome and they believe that January 6th was an insurrection because they were told it was. That's it. There's no freedom of thought on the left. They can't think for themselves. Whatever the, the, the box the media tells them to believe, they believe. That's it. They're not willing to ever look and peel behind the curtain of that. Now, on this January 6th, we know that so many Americans... So many people that were just there to protest, so many people that were just, just there to demonstrate, didn't take part in any kind of vicious act. They were thrown in jail, had their lives ruined, their families destroyed over this entire thing. You have old men and women that had their doors busted down by SWAT teams to come in and deliver uh, arrest warrants with these guys. A, a, a lot more harsher than you see how the criminals are actually being handled. And if you hurt one of the criminals, they'll burn the city down. So January 6th is a major, major thing. One of the, now, if you remember, I had Darren Beatty on here a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he was talking about the January 6th footage and the pipe bomb. He went into a major, he paid very close attention to detail and exposed the BS with the January 6th pipe bomb. 
another journalist that has been all over the January 6th tapes and all over January 6th right from the dribble has been the Blaze journalist Steve Baker. Now, Steve Baker is the one that uncovered the fact that the officer, Lazarus, who was actually Nancy Pelosi's head of security, he's a, uh, you know, with the Capitol Police uh, agent, uh, Lazarus, he's the Pelosi's head of security, this guy perjured himself, and Steve Baker put the finger on it. By viewing the January 6th footage that was released that, 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 that the journalists had access to, he knew what he was looking for. He covers this on several interviews that he does. He's a, he's a great journalist. He knew what he was looking for. So when he had access to the January 6th tapes, he went right there to find out. Now, this guy, Lazarus, testified under oath uh, against the Oath Keepers, saying that he witnessed an incident that Steve Baker proved that there's no way he could have witnessed, that he actually lied about where he was and what he saw during testimony under oath. And he blew this thing wide open. And so, wow, surprise, surprise, the FBI is now after Steve Baker. So much so that Steve Baker doesn't even know what his charges are, but he's been ordered to surrender to the FBI in Dallas tomorrow. This, this is what they're going to do. If you're going to screw around with January 6th, they're coming for you because this is their narrative. This is their golden goose. And I'm going to talk about this with Steve Baker right now. Uh, I'm honored that I got a chance to talk to him. He's a, he's a busy man today. Everybody wants him on because tomorrow he's going to be locked up. And who knows, will they even let him out? Once you go in, you're under their, um, you're under their control. So we're going to see. But let's bring him on now. Again, this is the Blaze reporter, Blaze journalist, Steve Baker. Let's bring him on. You're listening to the Alec Lee Show. The future is family. All right, here we go. Joining me now, a journalist for the Blaze, soon to be political prisoner, Steve Baker. Welcome to the Alec Lee Show. Hey, Alec, how are you? Well, I- I'm do I'm doing well. How are you doing? Uh, how are your spirits holding up here? I know that the FBI now has ordered you to turn yourself in. Uh, how are your spirits right now? How are you feeling? You know, I've had uh, two and a half years to prepare for this, so uh, I I think I'm pretty even killed. You know, I have I have a I have a bad moment uh, every once in a while when I think about what is ahead of me. Uh, I'm not looking forward, for instance, to going through the humiliation process on Friday morning because, look, I've, I'm 63 years old. I've never been fingerprinted in my life. I've never had to take a mug shot for anything in my life. I've never had a DUI. I've never, you know, anything other than a, a parking ticket. That's it. And so this is this is going to be a new thing for me, a new experience. I intend on approaching it in that manner, to, to be honest with you. But I'm I'm actually more um, anxious about what the charging documents are going to look like. We still don't know what the charges are. They haven't told my attorneys. The DOJ has withheld that from us up to this point. And then uh, once we know those, then 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 we have the obvious expectation of the absurdities of what they're going to say in the documents themselves, because that's where they exaggerate necessarily mean uh, just the J6 defendants, but they exaggerate and are very hyperbolic in their charges. So it's going to be interesting to see what they, uh, what they say about me. Um, all right. So what, what about your, your family, Steve? What has been your uh, how is your family holding up? What are the, what are their thoughts on all this? How, how, how are they feeling about what's happening to you here? Well, you know what? Uh, my, my two children are grown. They're 25 and 28. Um, they live in different states from me. They're you know, they have uh, embarked upon their own life journeys and they are very proud of me uh, I'm, as I am of them and what they do in life. And uh, we're we're talking every day. We, we, you know, we've got the family text thread going and, and they follow every story. They follow every link. They follow um, every, well, every step of this journey that I've been on for the last two and a half years. Now this obviously Steve could just be a notice to appear. You could show up, get this over with, but there, I would imagine they're sending a message here uh, to the rest of the people that are involved in this covering the January 6th and exposing the truth of what happened on January 6th. Uh, it seems as if that's what the case is here, is why they want you to come in, uh, maybe do the perp walk, put you in the orange jumpsuit. This is about sending a message more than anything else. Would you agree with that? 
Yeah, and it very well could be that they're just sending a message to me <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, I, ha I have been poking the bear rather aggressively uh, for the last three years and they're they're not happy. We, we look, we know from our internal sources uh, within DOJ that they're not happy with the situation to see how far they do push this uh, Friday morning. And, and so obviously you have you broke it loose with the with the footage about Lazarus saying, you know, basically perjuring himself by saying he was someplace that he was not. And it's this is just why so many people have been calling for the January 6th tapes to be released because of things like this, uh, that, that we have a chance to actually see what was going on. And they're hiding it from us. And we know during this, we had this entire January 6th committee. No one ever brought this up. Right. This wasn't included. Nobody came out and testified and said, hey, wait a minute. Uh, this guy isn't where he says he was. This didn't happen the way they're saying it was. And it seems like they're just protecting the narrative here. And that's why we're, it's been so hard to get all of the January 6th tapes released. Well, I, you know, I'm, the January 6th tapes issue is rather near and dear to my heart because I've probably had more access to the Capitol CCTV viewing room than any other journalist up to this point. I don't know that for a fact, but I, I, I think so, especially when you consider that I've been bringing the last two trips there, I've been bringing my Blaze team with me. So we've had as many as three people in there at a time uh, for days on end working on these videos. And and that's why we've been able to break some of the stories that we have is because we've had that kind of access. But I, I will tell you that the release of this video and why it's suddenly stopped, you know, it's been nine or 10 weeks since any video has been released, despite Speaker Johnson's promise that he was going to release up to 95% of it, except for the 5% most you know sensitive. And it's suddenly the brakes have been hit. Now, I can tell you, I know why the brakes are on. It's not necessarily Mike Johnson's fault, It's as it wasn't necessarily Kevin McCarthy's fault, the previous speaker. The Capitol Police are very, very powerful. They are getting by with this because they have a lot of leverage over Congress itself. Now, Speaker Johnson told me his lips to my ears that he has 100% authority over the release of those tapes, how they're released and what manner they're released. And um, and yet suddenly it stopped after they only released eight cameras worth of video out of over 1,700 cameras, by the way, Alec. So after that, it just stopped. And that's because of the power that the Capitol Police have over this information. Now, the Capitol Police are obviously working with DOJ in, in, in a coordinated effort to stop this release. And that's why we're up against this. Now, if you want to start asking me questions about why the Capitol Police are so, are so powerful and have so much leverage over Congress, you could probably let your mind wander there for a moment and figure it out yourself. Well, yeah, listen, it just seems like, Steve, this is why the reason that the January 6th narrative as a narrative has been protected by the left, by the Democrats, because it's their golden goose. I mean, this is it. They they they, they liken it to 9-11, to Pearl Harbor. They have put on all the theatrics, the dramatics to say this was the end of democracy. This is their golden goose here that they're using to push for it, especially for this 2024 election. How could you uh, vote in an insurrectionist, a seditionist and this entire thing? So if this narrative blows up, <clears throat> excuse me, if this narrative blows up, they're in a lot of trouble, but not just with, with with us who have been saying it, but with their own base that's going to find out yeah. they've been lied to since the beginning here. Yeah, and, and that's exactly what it is. It, it is a desperate attempt to protect the narrative, and they're trying to do it for as long as they can. They, they Look, they don't know what's going to happen in the next election. Uh, they don't even know, we don't even know if the GOP can maintain their majority uh, until not just in the election itself, but but. but between now and November, it's such a razor thin um, uh, majority at the at present, and that's one of the reasons why I believe that the GOP are faltering right now and honoring their their promise to get this information out to the American people is because they understand they're under such a they're walking a tightrope. Uh, politically right now, and they're not willing to take the risk necessary uh, to even even um, look to not just to keep their promises, but to allow justice to prevail because of the release of evidence and truth. Yeah, and I just had uh, Darren Beatty on here a couple of weeks ago. We were talking all about the pipe bomb footage that was out, and it's it's amazing the way when you actually get a chance to look at it and break it down piece by piece in that footage. It's clear and obvious here. This is that why they did not bring that into the January 6th hearings and the committee, why they stayed away from it. It was almost as if it never happened. They want that part to just go away because I think it's kind of obvious when you look at the footage, just like you have pointed out uh, with this Officer Lazarus here. It's obviously when you, when you piece it together and look at this footage that they're lying to the 
American people about what took place on January 6th. And, and it's like if you ask questions about it, you're being persecuted. And this is the reason why I believe that they're going after you the way they are on uh, tomorrow. Look, we we heard directly again from from sourcing that we have at DOJ that they were terrified of our Lazarus story. And and the reason why, and this is what everyone has to understand, is the Lazarus story is not just the story of an officer who on his own decided to perjure himself in a trial. This perjury was suborned. This perjury was designed specifically to frame a certain group of defendants. And that and this story as we continue to dig into it takes us to the heart in the belly of the beast, actually, and it will reveal exactly who who made this happen. Yeah, they're they're trying to kill the Lazarus story, but we got to raise the Lazarus story from the dead here, in a sense, you know, and right. uh, and make it brought to light. Uh, so, is there has there any been? I guess it's just all speculation at this point. But what's been your attorneys, what your your legal team? What's been their best guess as to how this is going to play out tomorrow? What are you expecting? Well. <laughs> uh, we have assurances from uh, the uh, assistant U.S. attorney who has my case out of D.C., and we have assurances that this is going to be an in and out kind of situation that I will be released after my processing on my own recognizance. Uh, they certainly could have handled this much differently. This could have been a, a, a simple order to appear, and I could have showed up in a you know in a coat and tie and and presented myself in in a professional manner before the magistrate. But they decided to do it under a quote unquote arrest warrant basis, even though I've been cooperative the entire time, even though I've never run from them, even though I've never hide from the head from them, even though I've had a, a they've always had a direct line to my attorneys throughout this entire process for two and a half years. Um, they've decided that they're going to have me show up uh, in. They want me to show up in shorts and a t-shirt and flip flops so that I can easily change into an orange jumpsuit and, you know, in leg chains, and then they can march me out before the magistrate looking like that. That's their intention here. And as we talked about early on, this is not necessarily to make a show in front of the American people because cameras probably aren't going to be allowed to show me in that condition. But they're making a show to me that you mess with us in the manner in which you've messed with us for the last three years. This is what you get for it. So even though they say that I'm going to be released, we've known and we've seen that they have lied to other defendants, other nonviolent misdemeanor defendants as well, who have showed up on a Friday and, uh, oh, sorry, the oh, gosh, you know, uh, the magistrate, he had to uh, he had an emergency, he had to leave. And they end up being held over a long holiday weekend for four or five days. That's happened. And uh, and other absurdities like that, which are not necessarily uh, let's look, let's just be honest, they're not coincidences. We we can we can give you hundreds of examples of how they have uh, unbalanced the scales of justice and used punitive measures to punish J six defendants in manners in which they have not punished non J six uh, defendants for much more egregious crimes. And, it, and it's been sick the way that they've handled the January 6th defendants. But now here it is. They're going after a journalist. I mean, this is a direct assault on uh, on the freedom of the press. Uh, th this is a nightmare what's happening. And I know you said your, your children are older now. And so they're handling it well. But do you as a father, like, do you feel uh, do you fear any type of like retribution against your family? Do you think your kids are being surveillance? Do you think they're being watched, uh, listened to? I mean, do you have any type of fear that, that it's not only just you that they're coming after, but your family as well? I, as of right now, I haven't seen any evidence of that taking place. Um, you know, I'm I'm single now. If they want me, let's fight. You know, let's go. Let's 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 run the tables on this thing. I, I have uh, I, I don't have a I don't I'm not in a position right now in life as so many of these younger J6 defendants who have their children living in home married i am in a unique position in that they want to bring the fight to a guy who is kind of like okay yeah all right. What have I got to lose? My children are grown. They're proud of me. They're fully informed. They're fully aware. And um, and those ultimately are the only two people I really care about what they think about me. Yeah, well, I, I love your spirit and your courage. Let's get it. You know, let's get after it. I wanted to get your take just because of breaking news here, too. We had uh, um, Mitch McConnell step. The good news, Mitch McConnell stepping down. Bad news, we got to wait till November. So I just wanted to get your take on that. 
<laughs> well, I mean, obviously, it it should have happened much, much uh, sooner than this. Uh, it, in fact, if if we can tie this into my January 6th stories, my the, the second story I ever wrote about January 6th was on February 24th um, of 21, just six weeks after the event. And I posted a picture of, of Pelosi and McConnell, you know, elbow bumping. And I and the, the title of my story was who was up the chain on January 6th? Well, uh, he's half of the problem and he's half of the cover up. And um, uh, the fact that he's out, as I said, it, it, it should have happened a lot sooner. And uh, it's a shame that we have to wait till November for that to take place. But uh, um I just hope that Kentucky will do the right thing this time. And yes, you look, uh, just having an R after your name, it, it doesn't do the job anymore. No, there's no doubt about that. You, you talk about the, the theatrics there on January 6th. Nancy Pelosi with her own camera crew there to cover the whole thing. Uh, AOC putting on the whole show, crying the whole bit. She's a $6 cab ride away from the Capitol claiming, oh, I'm there and I'm in the middle of this. Thing. So we've seen it, seen this, uh, you know, just, just pushing under this narrative. Uh, I'm so glad that you're in the fight. Um, you know, my, my thoughts will be with you here tomorrow as you go down with this. Hopefully you're back out. Uh, Steve Baker, thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time here on the Alec Lay Show. Hey, thank you, Alec. I really appreciate it. All right. God bless Steve Baker and his family here as he prepares to turn himself in tomorrow. I'm grateful that he gave me a few minutes of his time. I know how busy he is. Everybody wants to to, to get him today. Uh, and I'm sure they're going to want to get him once he gets out of there. Hopefully he gets out, like they say, in and out. And he's not there all of a sudden over the weekend. All of a sudden they need him for another week. Oh, the judge, this or that. Once you're in that system... Uh, they have complete control over it. So I'm sure uh, Steve is ready for the fight. You heard him there. He's ready for the battle. He's ready for the fight. His kids are grown. He's a single guy. Let's go. And that's the kind of attitude that we need, especially when it comes to this January 6th. Again, they're taking Trump off the ballot in Illinois because of insurrection. It's total BS. The whole thing, the whole narrative is BS. I remember the one lunatic girl. Oh, uh, Trump dove over the seat of the beast to grab the wheel and turn the car back to the Capitol. These people are at it in minds. And the left eats it up with a spoon. Oh, my God, uh, Trump really did that. But here we go. And, th- and, and this is why I said to Steve, the, the message is that you will not screw with our, with, with, with our narrative. That's the message here. They're going to make an example out of him. And they're going to let it be known. You journalists want to keep poking around with January 6th. This is the fate you're going to meet. They cannot allow that story and that narrative to die. Because it would destroy the people on the left. And you know what? It's true. January 6th was not an insurrection. It was not a coordinated attack to take down democracy. That's a lie. But there's people that believe it. Just like people believed that the vaccine would stop them from getting COVID. People actually believed it because they were told it. And that's the only reason why they got vaccinated and told you if you didn't get vaccinated that you were an animal, that you were a grandma killer because they were they were told it by the media. So they believed it in their heart. They didn't know it to be true. They were told it to be true. Same thing with January 6th. So it's so hard to pull these people's heads out of their ass once they've been sold this line of good. And it is, and you see it. You see it with the Trump derangement syndrome. You've seen it all during COVID. You see it with January 6th. Imagine what a straight face people put January 6th in the same sentence as 9-11, and they're serious about it, right? And you knowing how out of control that is and how a comparison to make that, how ridiculous that is, and you you scratch your head going, are these people serious? And they are, because they've been told. And so you cannot mess with the January 6th narrative. That's what Steve Baker did. He poked the bear, and now he's going to pay the price. They are going to make you pay the price. And God bless him, Darren Beatty, all these guys, all these investigative journalists, these independent journalists uh, that have their rights protected, freedom of the press, uh, to, to bust these stories wide open. And man, you know, it, it, it's a scary time here for this, for, especially for journalists right now that are actually actual journalists, not the ones that are towing the company line, not the ones that are telling you what they're being told to tell you, the ones that are actually saying, wait a minute, let me question this. Let's get to the bottom. Let's get to the truth. Those are the ones right now that are in trouble. And where is all these people? Oh, democracy. You're completely attacking the freedom of the press. The real press in this country. And that comes from the independent journalists. That's really who it comes from. And and X is one of the best places for it. 
And people are like, oh, X has a lot of misinformation on it. What do you think the mainstream media is full of? You don't think there's any misinformation given to you by the mainstream media? I would say it's 90%, maybe 95% misinformation from mainstream media. 5% truth. All right? On, on Twitter, maybe you're getting 50-50. I know you're getting a lot more truth on X than you are in the mainstream media. I know that's for damn sure. All right, let's switch gears here. Uh, Robbie Starbuck, I've been promising you guys this interview for quite a while now. Uh, Robbie Starbuck, he put out this movie, The War on Children. It, 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 there couldn't be a more important film for you guys to see and to spread around to your family, to your neighbors, than this one right here. Uh, so here's the preview, the trailer of the movie, and I'll be back with Robbie Starbuck. Are they intentionally sexualizing our children and stealing their innocence? I think that's right. TikTok specifically is designed to target young people. That's who their audience is. Have children died because of social media? Absolutely. Have they been trafficked off of social media? 100%. Have they been sexually exploited off of social media? Ongoing, yes. I'm scrolling on TikTok. I see little kids with TikTok. What are they looking at? This is what you don't want kids to see, is that correct? Exactly. And again, this is depicting children. This is this is supposed to be kids. Well, honestly, I didn't even know that transition um, from female to male was an option until I um, was on social media and began being exposed to those type of communities. You've never seen an 18-month-old masturbating? No, I haven't. Have you seen any sexually explicit drag shows marketed as all ages for kids that you would denounce or think that are a problem and that you want to distance yourself from? No. You know this is wrong. So, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to end the interview. They use the word sexualized kids at a young yeah. age or, you know, I mean, give me a break. It just seems like there's no moral, you know, construct at all. Are kids facing just the absolute worst onslaught of grooming that we've ever seen? Yes, the entertainment industry is sexualizing children for an agenda. Your daughter was secretly transitioned at school. This policy has to do with children as young as five all the way through high school. Do you feel like this is a war on children? I know it's a war on children, but like they said, we're coming for your kids. Yeah. And they have. Can I ask the cameras to get turned off for just a second? I just want to have a real conversation. Powerful stuff. And this is the message that has to get out there to the people who don't get a chance to see some of this stuff because they won't see it on regular cable or their regular news or their regular documentaries that they see on Netflix where everybody's uh, gay and has a sex change kid and all this other stuff. And that's the normal thing, right? Our normal world right now is uh, a transgender mom, uh, a gay dad, and a a two-year-old that wants to change his gender to become non-binary. That's the normal that they want to push in your society right now. And it's not normal. There's mental illness involved in all of these people because a lot of them are not even doing what they want to do. They're not even using their own free will. It's being imposed upon them. We see that with these sick parents, and we're going to see some of it. You'll see some of it in this uh, documentary of this film that Robbie Starbuck did. You have these parents that are convincing their children that they're, they're either gay or transgender, and they're doing it because their pronouns are me, 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 me. We saw that when I had that gentleman on here a couple of weeks ago, right before I went out to the Super Bowl there, uh, uh, Hannon, Dennis Hannon, uh, his son, his ex-wife turns the son into a girl, a kindergarten kid. So there is a sick attack on the children in this country and the parents as well. Because these left-wing parents that are too weak-minded to have a thought process of their own and think freely are easily influenced by this indoctrination that's being put out by the left-wing media. They eat it up with a spoon. This is the way to be. They see it with the celebrities that they follow. They see it with uh, pop culture. They see it on the in, on TikTok. They see it in their circle group, the, the group that they never come out of, right? The cult that they're involved in. While they're telling you you're right, you got to love these people too because they'll they'll be they'll have a Ukraine flag in their bio. They'll they'll be vaccinated and boosted five times. They got a BLM sticker on the car. Right. They got the rainbow bright, whatever the rainbow thing is, uh, tattoo. They got all these things going on and they're telling you you're the one in a cult. 
All right, so let's do this. We got Robbie Starbuck. I've been looking forward to this interview. He's doing important work. This is an important film. Again, the link to the film is down there in the description below. Please get down there. If, if, if anything, share it with everybody in your network. If you could do that, it'd be a win-win situation. All right, let's bring Robbie on. You're listening to The Alec Lee Show. The future is family. All right, let's do this. Joining me now, Robbie Starbuck. Welcome to the Alec Lay Show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Well, it's an honor to have you here. I've been dying to get you on since you launched this film, The War on Children. And I'm just curious, before we get into it, for you being a dad, uh, for you and your wife, like doing this stuff could be very personal. So was, was it challenging for you to do this stuff, you know, being a father yourself? Uh, did it have any kind of personal effect on you making the film? You know, um, I'll, I'll be honest. I think a lot of the personal effect had already taken root before we did the movie because it's it's why we did the movie, you know, because we are parents, because I am a dad and because, um, you know, my kids are good. My my kids are totally they, they were built to be warriors. You know, they were made for a time like this. But I also am cognizant of the fact that they are going to grow up in a world with the generation that is affected by everything we cover in the movie. And I know that that's going to be a very difficult road if we don't stop it, because the reality is we're reaching critical mass where the left has totally dominated every cultural institution. And if we continue this insanity, this new generation that's being indoctrinated with wokeness will become the leaders of tomorrow. And the outcome of that is going to be dark for the country, for individuals, for families, for our kids. And so, um, you know, I wish I could say like, I was surprised by something that we covered, but but I really wasn't like my wife and I have just so deeply gone into researching exactly how far and deep this goes and doing that work beforehand. You're kind of prepared for what's coming, you know. I think really, I mean, just watching this stuff, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm angry about it. Uh, a lot of it is just disbelief that what's going on with the children, with the parents, with the families in this country. So, uh, so much of it from the outside looking in. But when you delve into and you're actually interviewing people, spending time investigating this stuff, uh, I, I, just seeing how sick it really is, uh, it, it's got to really make your blood boil. So uh, I just played the preview for, uh, right before I brought you on here, uh, the trailer for it. I, I think this was really well done here, but um, it, it just seems like this whole whole thing this movement went from hey we just want to have gay marriage to now we have tampons in the boys room and it almost seems like this whole thing went overnight but it's been taking a uh, taking its time getting here there's been a long time coming we didn't just arrive at this spot uh, instantaneously here no we didn't i mean this actually really starts much further back in history before any of us were alive because you know, there's there's sort of a multi-pronged reality of what we're facing and that's that uh, nothing is new under the sun that we're seeing. So forms of communism existed even before Karl Marx, you know, just by different names. And, you know, anytime you have a communist style movement that seeks a cultural revolution, they need to separate children from their parents. And to do that, the most functional way is to find things they're uncomfortable about talking to their parents about. Well, what are you more uncomfortable talking to your parents about than sex? So it serves multiple purposes, one of, you know, producing degenerates, but secondly, of separating a child from their parent, replace the parent with the state on these sexual topics. And then they come to trust the state on every other topic, because the thing that they consider, you know, the most secret is the thing they trust the state with, not their parent. And so you've got them attaching themselves to the state, but you also, as you produce degenerates, you build up a society of people who are dependent on government just to survive. And so that's why they use sexuality and they use gender and identity, because that is the easiest way to replace the parent and to separate them from their child. So that's that's what we're seeing. And I think if we don't stop it, we are going to see the ushering in of a new modern form of communism in America. And there will be nowhere to run to. So anybody who thinks they can just sit by, wait for a politician to save you, I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's President Trump. I don't care who the politician is. There is no politician who is coming to save you, period. It is on every single person. It's incumbent on us to do something as parents in our community, for our kids, for our grandkids. And if we don't, frankly, you know what? You're a coward. If you're not doing something at this point, if you've watched this film, and you say you need to protect your own ass or you don't want to lose friends, 
you know, I have no respect for you. And, and frankly, at this point, I think that you're a coward because what's coming is going to be a lot worse and it's going to be a lot worse for your children. And I, and I agree with you, Robbie. I think people that are staying silent on this issue are complicit in how bad it's getting. And I know you covered this in the film. And one of the things that I faced that here, I'm in the communist state in New Jersey here, where the teachers are allowed to keep the secrets from the parents. They, they're not required to tell the parents that they're uh, transitioning the kid or they're using different pronouns uh, for their child in school. They're not even required to do that. We had a few districts in the state uh, that tried to sue, uh, that, that, that defied that order, and the state sued them. Uh, saying that you have to keep this secret from the parent. It's it's, it's almost, you, you, you know, the, the fact that the entire school, all the parents in that school didn't show up and protest. This is the, the problem I think we're having, Robbie, almost like with this Lakeland Riley that was murdered. Like there should be protests all over this country. If that if that case fit the Democratic narrative, there would be protests all over the country. But on our side, there's not. It just seems like there's a weakness from the right side that's afraid to step up and protest these things that are really uh, destroying our culture. You know what we lack? We lack organization. We lack organizers willing to expend their time and energy to just do the right thing. On the left, they have people willing to do that in droves to do the wrong thing. Because I want to ask you a question. Instead of uh, this, this girl in Georgia killed by the illegal immigrant, you know, let's pretend that this had been a kid who identified as trans, okay? And they were killed by what... Let's just say it was like the Jesse Smollett situation. OK, this was a true case of somebody saying this is MAGA country and they and they kill this person. Right. The next day you would have an organized walkout of every parent, every child, every teacher from the school almost universally. Right. They would be willing to carry that on as long as it took to get whatever thing it was they wanted to get in return. OK, whether it be, you know, appropriate, you know, hate crime charges on top of whatever. It, it doesn't matter what it is, it, whatever it is they wanted. They would stick with it until they got it. Our side sees it happen and we go, oh, this is awful. Look at these hypocrites on the left who said they'd be a sanctuary city. You know, oh, that's bad. And that's the extent of it. Yep. That's the extent of the conversation. And then meanwhile, we've elected people in D.C., who are literally negotiating with Democrats to allow up to 1.8 million illegals a year, as long as they do it in an orderly fashion and and they come in and still not vetting all of them, by the way. But just as long as it's like, you know, they're walking on the, the rolled out carpet that we roll out for them. It's lunacy and we need strength right now. We need people on an individual level to get through their heads that there is no politician who's going to save you. We need to be willing to stand up for something the way the left is, because here's the thing. I say this sometimes in person to people who are like, I just don't know what to do, you know, or I'm not sure I can go out there and be an activist. And I say, this is the problem, because if you're willing to hand over the country, because that's essentially what you're willing to do, you need to realize the the left, their level of motivation is at a point where, and I pull out this video, it's a video from Starbucks where these people glue themselves to the counter over what type of milk they have available. Say the, the left will do that. They will glue themselves to a counter over a freaking kind of milk, okay? And if we as parents are not willing to do anything near that for our children, shame on us. Shame on us. We deserve what's coming. And, you know, maybe you caught me on a bad morning because I'm definitely, I'm, I, I am, I'm fired up and I'm, I am upset that more people have not activated to realize just how far down this dangerous path we are because my family fled communism. They were lucky. My, my family's lucky. They lost everything in Cuba to communism, but you know what? They were lucky as hell because they could come to America. America was there. They came here legally. They, there was a legal process. They waited, you know, in fear of death in Cuba, and they still waited, did it the right way. But they were lucky because they had somewhere to run to, and people are going to find out very quickly, you don't. There's nowhere to run to after this. If America becomes the next country that falls to this modern form of communism, you will be stuck in it. Your children will be stuck in it for decades and decades and decades. And once they consolidate power completely, it's going to be very difficult to ever get this country back to anything resembling what we all love and remember.
Yeah, and if we don't get it in 2024 here in November, Robbie, uh, it's going to be on its way to being gone. I mean, this almost seems like a last stand. We say every year that this election is the most important one, but I don't see a path back if we don't get it this one in November. And just what you said there, too, how the right has no organization, the, the conservative side, that there's no organization. There's also no big funder. Like, you always see on the left, oh, George Soros funded the DA. George Soros funded this uh, riot. George Soros funded this protest. Where is our George Soros? Don't they have these billionaires on the right? I- I can tell you, actually. Yeah, I can. I can tell you where ours are. Okay, the left, they're billionaires. They're funding actual strategies to destroy this country, destroy the Republican Party, destroy conservatism in America, take hold of the next generation. I mean, on every front. Okay, they're happy to waste millions upon millions on movies that make no money as long as it moves the cultural needle. They're willing to pay for ballot chasing programs and harvesting and all these things. You know where our billionaires are spending their money? They're spending it supporting Nikki Haley in a race that's effectively over. They're spending it to create white papers that nobody reads at D.C. think tanks. Literally, I'm talking a ludicrous amount of money. People don't even want to know the disgusting amounts of money that rich people on the so-called conservative side are spending at think tanks for the past 30 years to get white papers, which most people have never even heard what a white paper is. They're essentially these these like report style documents nobody reads, okay, with strategies for whatever the issue is. Nobody reads them. I mean, literally, most policy right now is being created by 20-something-year-old aides in congressional offices. The country has jumped the shark, okay? Everybody's living in a fantasy land. And so our, our hope is this movie wakes some of those people up. And we can activate enough people to protect enough local areas that eventually when you take an eagle-eyed view of our country, we're protected enough against this modern form of communism to stop it. Yeah, well said, Robbie. And I know, uh, you know, in your film, one of the people too, uh, uh, Libs of TikTok, uh, I don't know, I can't express how valuable that account has become and exposing so much of this stuff. I know you you feature in the film. Tell, talk to me uh, and the listeners about some of the other people that you feature in this film that they're going to see. Well, Chaya, let's just say she's an amazing person. Amazing, amazing person. I can't say enough good things about her. Um, she's taken real risks and she faces, you know, she she puts on a great face in public that, you know, she just lets nothing bother her. But the amount of vitriol pushed toward her by the left, if it was if the right did this to any woman who was a Democrat, I mean, it would be front page news story that we're trying to get them to kill themselves. Um, 100%. That we're trying to propel them into a mental health crisis. Chaya just takes it like a boss. And so hats off to her. But, you know, in terms of the people in the film, yeah, she's one of them because there's this phenomenon on TikTok and online that I really wanted people to understand. We also had Senator Rand Paul, Riley Gaines. Um, and I really wanted to cover the Riley Gaines situation from a different angle which is the mental side of things, because she's talked a lot about kind of what happened. But I wanted to go into the mental side of what happened, because I think not enough people realize that this movement to have men and women's restrooms are in their locker rooms, that uh, probably the worst thing about it is the mental rape of these women. It is a form of mental rape when a man shows up in a space that women think they're safe and exposes their penis to them. You know, I, I think that that's a very simple, functional thing. People understand it also violates core tenets of their faith. You know, Riley's Christian. She doesn't she's married. She doesn't want to see another man ma- naked to her. That's a violation of her religious beliefs. And so, you know, on so many fronts, it, it's just a disaster. But you know who I really I really, really feel like was was critical to this film being as successful as it is, is the stories of survivors, Survivors of child trafficking, survivors of this gender identity movement that wants to destroy children, all of these different survivors, teachers fired for refusing to indoctrinate kids, you know, marketing executives who are making ludicrous money at the biggest marketing firm in the country. And they turn around to tell the truth and be a whistleblower about the mass sexualization of children that's happening on purpose from the entertainment industry. We have amazing people in there who put a lot on the line to tell the truth to people, people who've lost their children, literally had their children die because of this movement. So, you know, if people can take the time to watch it at the war you will not regret it. You know, there's a reason why Elon Musk, Donald Trump Jr., Rand Paul have all said that this is the parent. This is the movie that every parent needs to see. Every grandparent needs to see. I would say every every adult needs to see really honestly, because Even if you don't have kids, you have skin in the game for the future. 
And if you want to save this country and have it be anything resembling what we know and love, you need to know what's happening. Yeah, the, the War on Children, the link to the movie is down there in the description below. I think it's the most important film right now that anybody could watch because it's just like you said, this is it. And this is the key point here, Robbie, that we should be focusing on. Obviously, the border um, is probably the number one uh, issue right now politically. But what's happening to parents is going to be the major story of deciding 2024. I believe they're the underdog right now. And I believe they're the ones that are going to save the country because maybe they're not willing to speak out, as we call them to do. But they're willing to go in there and pull that ballot for President Trump because there's no way they can allow this to continue for the sake of their kids. But one thing I wanted to get your take on is these lunatic parents that we're seeing that are forcing their kids into this transition type of stuff. Uh, you know, I had the one uh, father on from Buffalo, uh, his ex-wife transitioned his uh, kid in kindergarten against his back. He had no idea what was going on. You have these parents, and I and I always say their pronouns are me, 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 because it's all about them. The kid has no idea about sexuality, gender change, none of this, and they're forcing their young boys into skirts or the young girls uh, into into puberty blockers as they get older. So what 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 is creating these parents that are forcing their own children to do this stuff? We see Megan Fox, one of them. Oh wow, three transgender kids. Wow, amazing the odds on that. Yeah, um, what we're seeing is Munchausen syndrome on a mass scale. We call them Munchausen moms. Um, you know, they're they're severe psychological problems here and a lot of them are using their kids for attention or for validation or to live vicariously through them to be cool within certain groups of people i saw a video last night of a kid who is not even a year old and their parents are giving them they them pronouns it's just ludicrous i mean it fundamentally rejects everything that we've known to be true for all of human history right that there's a very clear difference that you can visually see between a man and a woman and um, it's something everybody can identify. And it's not hard to identify. It's very simple, honestly. And so, you know, people need to really square in on what is this really? It's a rejection of reality, shared definitions and truth. Because fundamentally, you cannot have a united country if you can't agree on the truth and on fundamental reality, even on the simplest, most honest, visually apparent subjects. And so that's where we are. You know, the left is intentionally doing this. It's the reason why they're changing language all over the place. It's the reason why they're changing, you know, Latino to Latinx or Latinx, whatever it is they want to call it. Um, they're changing language so we don't so we don't have a shared reality. That's that's what's going on. Yeah, vaccine. We saw the change. The, they changed the definition on that. So it's everything. But it just seems like their messaging works because I think that's why these parents are like this. They didn't just think of this all on their own. This is the the programming or the brainwashing or the the, the media that's been telling them, oh, let's transition this kid into uh, make this uh, my son and daughter. They didn't just think of this on their own. This is coming from indoctrination of their own mind, and they're not thinking for themselves because there's no way in the world. All of a sudden, parents like we never seen this in history. Now all of a sudden, parents all over the country think this is the right thing to do for their kids to your point um, about megan fox so um i actually know megan uh we used to live in the same community and um there was a controversy about a year ago because i talked about what she's done with her boys um because our kids used to play together on a regular basis and just to pause and you right there too robbie I, I did an interview with her with her ex-husband brian austin green i had him on my show first class fatherhood maybe two years ago and we did yeah. a whole conversation he never once mentioned anything about any of this and i didn't even really honestly i didn't know about it while i was doing the interview with him and he never this has been going on for a long this. time it's yeah. been going on for a long time and there there's something that happened that is the reason why I publicly said something because I, I didn't want to put a public focus on these kids. Something happened that I still have not said in public because I, I don't want anything negative, you know, like as much as I can help it going toward those, those kids. Um, but you can see in an article, an interview she did herself where she admitted that before her oldest child was born, she knew that they were gender non-conforming. That is not possible. Right. Simply not possible. Okay. That tells everybody right off the jump, this is a creation of Megan's imagination or her, you know, trying to attach to some idea or movement or whatever it may be. It doesn't really matter. But it, it was not coming from her son. It is coming from her own mind where she admits she knew this beforehand and was going to treat him as such. Um, 
our experience with it being around that situation was really sad. And I can't say enough what sweet kids they are. I mean, she has really sweet kids, really great kids. Um, and I 1000% can say, in my view, my opinion, in what I witnessed, it is entirely because of her that any of them are confused about gender identity or any of that stuff. Yeah, and I would think that's the same for all the all of these parents that are doing this to their children. There is no child that thinks, oh, I want to have my penis cut off or, oh, I, I want to change. It. There is no such thing. So it, it, it is all the parents' imagination that's doing this stuff. And the other thing, too, and I know you cover this in the film as well, uh, the, the pornography books that they're trying to call the right book burners uh, for keeping these books out, that gender queer is a popular one. Uh, but it's like you, you have these books and these images that are unheard of that shouldn't be in the kid's school. But whenever parents show up at the school board, and they start reading from these books, they're told to stop. They're not allowed to talk with that language, yet this is the actual stuff that's in the classroom. And so when parents do try to step up and make a stink about that, they're shot down, and, and they're called you know all kinds of terrorists, domestic terrorists, and everything else at these school board meetings. You know what I've found really hilarious? Is I've, done, I've done all these giant news hits you know all over the place all over the world i mean i just did one with australia last night with their one of their biggest news shows and i notice every single one every single one they censor that scene they'll put a giant blur over the book and many of these outlets are run by leftists you know they have leftists in positions of power within production and i think it's really funny that those people they want to censor it because they know it's inappropriate on TV, but they simultaneously believe that children should have access to those books at school. And that if you don't give it to them, you're somehow a book banner. No, it's kind of the same concept as we don't put Playboy magazine in kids' schools. We're not banning Playboy. We're just simply saying, no, not around children. If you're an adult, you want to go buy these weird books. I mean, knock yourself out. I think you're probably really strange, but... You know, beyond that, it's a free country. You're an adult. Go buy whatever book you want. We're just saying we draw the line of kids. We're not going to let you guys pornify our children's education. If anybody has a problem with that, they, they're fundamentally sick in the head. Yeah. And wow. It's amazing that they make your point for you by censoring that, saying, oh, yeah, we can't show this to you because we know, with the, you know, we'll yeah. get in trouble with this. But we yeah. think your kids should have it. What a sick bunch of people. So what has been the response here so far that the film has been out? Obviously, it's going to be, I would imagine, embraced by the right. But what has been uh, your feedback or what has been, the, you know, the, the negative points that the left has been trying to make? And what's been their response to the film? What's been their criticism? Honestly, the response has been incredible. I would say even among people who identify themselves as uh, Democrats, we've had really decent um, response to it. You know, I've, I've had messages on various social media platforms from people who are like, look, I don't agree with all of your political views, but uh, on this, we're on the same page. There's a problem here and there's a problem specifically in, in my party and we've got to we've got to do something about it. Um, so there's definitely those people out there and I want to give them credit. I might not agree with them politically, but I will take any and all allies in this fight to save the next generation. So, you know, we can disagree about tax rates later on or whatever it may be, but our kids come first. So in that respect, you know, I'm open arms. Anybody, you know, um, who's willing to stand up for our kids on these issues. But uh, in terms of negativity, you know, a few interesting things. So the only real hit the media has been able to to try to take at the movie um, is that they don't like the interview with the drag queen. We interviewed a drag queen and um, for some reason, you know, like the Rolling Stone thought that the interview was unfair because we didn't explicitly tell the drag queen beforehand that they were going to be interviewed by me. We just invited them to an interview about drag and drag in front of children and they agreed to the interview. And then when they showed up, I guess they were surprised it was us. But to be honest, it's not that strange for a documentary interview because you're trying to get the most unbiased, you know, sort of feedback you can. And the more you color it by injecting bias in any direction, um, you start to affect the outcome of the real answers you're going to get. And so, you know, you try to keep things in a very neutral plane. Less information is better so that everything's happening real time. You know, it's like questions. You know, you don't want to give questions ahead of time when you're filming a documentary. Right. You want it to be authentic. People, I don't want them to study me or anybody. Else. I, I want them to just have an authentic conversation about whatever it is. 
because then people are getting something real. And ultimately, that's why the film has done so well. I think we're around 50 million views now. Um, and that's that's insane for a documentary. I mean, it's the most watched documentary of the year by far at this point. But in terms of all time, I, I struggle to think of very many documentaries that have topped that. I think what is a woman um, may have done some more. But outside of that, I mean, even some of the big documentaries of the past that many of us remember, they didn't do these types of numbers in theaters. So it it's truly incredible, the global reach of it, too, because, I mean, we're getting letters from Kenya, you know, uh, from uh, places you would not expect, you know, like Mongolia. It's incredible. I mean, it's gone all over the world. So, um, you know, we couldn't be more grateful for that. The question is, is everybody who watches it going to be activated? That's my great hope. If we can activate even half of the people who watch, we can stop this, you know, and, and, and so that's my urge to people is watch it. The war on children dot com. Get activated. And if you don't know what to do, sign up at freedomforever.us for your email list. They'll immediately send you an email with a PDF of what we call the parenting revolution manual. And it's good for people who aren't parents, too, because it just gives action items, things you can do to help stop this insanity. Yeah, even if a quarter of the people that watch it, Robbie, or 10% take action, I mean, what a difference that's going to make. And again, I have the link down in the description below. And and I agree with you that, that the response. Now, I, I work for the railroad, right? I'm a railroad mechanic. It's a big melting pot, a lot of different viewpoints, a lot of backgrounds and everything. you got a lot of Democrats, liberals, conservatives. Everybody works together there. And there's nobody I've talked to yet since, you know, the last five years or so, this thing has become a major issue that agrees with this premise that women should be playing in uh, men should be playing in women's sports or that men should be in the locker room or the bathroom with their daughters. They're all against it. Now, we disagree, just like you said, politically on just about everything. But we all come. That's why I think this is the winning issue for our side is because not even the people on the left agree with this stuff. Like they know they may say, oh, they'll be quiet about it. But when they're having their conversations as parents, they don't want this going on. They don't want their their daughter in a bathroom with some dude. There's no way. So that's why we got to hammer this issue home. And I pray that this will get shared as much as possible. And I encourage all listeners to do it. You're exactly right. I mean, I couldn't say better than that. That's that's I, I think, it, you know, it's a it's an issue we can win on, but it's also an issue that's critical to saving the country. You know, I mean, it's it's not just a political issue. This is this is lives at stake. This is our country at stake. Well, props to you. The film is well done. The War on Children. The link is down there. Uh, Robbie Starbuck, thank you so much for all that you do. And, and thanks for making this film and getting the word out, not being afraid and having the courage to step up and, and, and sound the alarm on this issue. And thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time today on The Alec Mace Show. Thank you. Absolutely. I appreciate you. Keep doing what you're doing. All right, honored to finally have Robbie Starbuck on The Alec Lay Show. I did do an interview with him on First Class Fatherhood maybe two years ago now, I guess, when he did a book with the Brave Book series. I had him on the podcast. Brave Book series is a great one, too, if you want to keep your kids away from the wokeness uh, that they are learning in the schools and all these books that have turned every, you know, trying to turn every kid into a gay, lesbian, transgender. Uh, the Brave Book series is good. Robbie Starbuck has one in the series. Uh, grateful to Robbie Starbuck. A very, very important film. Very, very important topic. The War on Children. Watch it. Share it. Get the message out there because this is where it is. There's nothing more important right now than protecting our children here. Right? Protecting parents. Uh, parents can no longer stay silent. You have got to speak out against this. If your child, if your daughter is playing against a man in sports, stand up and say something. Don't just sit there and be like, oh, this is ridiculous. Stop it. Make a stink about it. Cause a ruckus over it. Do not allow it to happen. Do not stay silent anymore. This stuff has gotten way out of control. And if we don't stop it now, it's going to get 10 times worse. And if Trump doesn't win in November, forget, forget about it. So films like Robbie Starbucks are important. Share them. Watch them. Spread them around. The stuff that's happening in our country is sick. And again, back to the first story I started with here, this Lakeland Riley, that mayor should be just, he should be forced to resign. There should be protests at that mayor's mansion or wherever this guy freaking lives. There should be protests until he resigns. He's a disgrace. You got the United States telling you, oh, we got to send money to Ukraine. Oh, you're going to have to go fight Ukraine's war. While well, we have young girls in America dying at the hands of illegal invaders to our country. 
All right, let me know what you thought about the interview there with Robbie Starbuck. Let me know what you thought about Steve Baker. Uh, any suggestions that you guys got? I'm going to hit you guys next week. Uh, follow me on X at Alec Lace for the upcoming guest announcements. Doing my best to, to schedule as many good guests as I can for you guys. Again, I thank you for your support. Uh, don't forget, if you're if you want to use MyPillow, get over to MyPillow.com and use the promo code FATHERHOOD. Over there, you'll save up to whatever, 80% off, whatever Mike's got going on, honored. If you missed that episode, I put out my interview with Mike Lindell out on Tuesday. Flip it back and check that one out if you wish. And uh, keep your chin covered out there, guys. More and more illegal immigrants pouring into your neighborhood here. And uh, it's going to continue up until Trump gets into office. So be ready. That's all I got for you guys today. Uh, Again, honored that uh, Steve Baker and Robbie Starbuck gave me a few minutes of their time. Don't forget to follow the channel here on Rumble. Share the broadcast. Like, comment, whatever you can do to help the algorithm out. I'm going to do my best to bring you guys the best content and the best guests possible. So follow me here. And uh, God bless all you listeners and you parents out there. God bless our military veterans, our first responders. God bless America. And I will catch you guys next week. Have a great weekend. You're listening to The Alec Lee Show. Alec Lace has interviewed more than 700 dads on his award-winning podcast, First Class Fatherhood. Dads from all walks of life, including Tom Brady, Deion Sanders, Matthew McConaughey, Steve Harvey, Tony Hawk, Eric Trump, and so many more. Find out why First Class Fatherhood has been number one on the iTunes charts. Who these men are as fathers and how they raise their children is far more important than anything they accomplish in their careers. Alec Lace encourages his high-profile guests to share their fatherhood journeys and offer advice to new and soon-to-be dads. Let every father in your contact list know about First Class Fatherhood. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Every day is Father's Day on First Class Fatherhood. You're listening to The Alec Lace Show. The future is family.